When I was 21 years old, I did a year out at my church, and it was a lot like the MA program that we have here, where you come in and you serve and you get to have lots of different experiences of what church life is like. And the way this program worked is they set you up to live with a church family. Now, the church family I lived with was wonderful. They were really nice. Unfortunately, though, the only room they had was in their basement, and it was a tiny, tiny room with no windows. And so no matter what the weather was doing outside, I had no idea. I didn't know how to dress in the morning because it was so self-contained. And in fact, whether day or night, when I turned off the lights, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. It was so dark. Generally, that's fine. I like to sleep in a dark room. Not a problem. However, one morning, I had that situation happen where I was kind of in a dream state but waking, and I all of a sudden thought, I've overslept my alarm, and I jumped out of bed. Who's ever had that happen? Just a couple of you? Yeah, most of you have, but you're just pretending, no, I'm in charge of my life. Um, and I jumped out of my bed, but in jumping out of my bed, I got turned around in my room. Now I'm half awake and lost in the tiniest room I've ever lived in. And it's so dark, I can't find my way, and I stand there. And as I kind of wake up, I think, let's just find a way. So I move about a little bit, and I find a bookshelf, and I know where that is, and I move along, and I turn on the light. And obviously, when I turn on the light, all is revealed, and I can see where I am. In this story, we have a blind man who was blind from birth in utter darkness. And we have Jesus declaring that I am the light of the world. We have these themes of darkness and light in this passage. And today, for us to unlock this passage and see what it means, we want to look at it in two different parts. The first part is we want to look at Jesus actually performing a wonderful miracle that changed this man's life. And the second part we want to do is we want to see and look at the repercussions of this miracle, how it affected the Pharisees and how they saw Jesus, and how it affected the blind man and how he saw Jesus. And then lastly, we want to take it all together and see what this means for us, how we can interpret it and apply it to our daily living with God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here in our midst, and we ask that you would be the light of the world today, that you would be the light of the world that shines right now at Holy Trinity Clay Gate. Help us to encounter your light Help us to see what it means for us. Help it to help it to create in us hearts of worshipers. In your name, Amen. So we start with this first part, the miracle. And in order to understand this and unlock it, what I want to do is have us really put ourselves in the midst of this story. Imagine yourself walking along with Jesus and his disciples, and you see on the side of the road a beggar born blind. Now we know in today's world with a disability like that, they would be given resources and they would live a perfectly normal life. However, in that day, blindness meant they were rejected on the outside of society. Every day he had to come and sit down and beg for just a little bit of life that he could cling on to. In fact, even though he was, he saw the world as invisible, he was also invisible to the world. People would go in day after day, pass him, not giving him any time, not considering him, not even looking at him. In fact, he was rejected because of his blindness from birth. 
He wouldn't have had any worth. He wouldn't be a member of society. He wouldn't be a part of the fabric of what was happening in a close-knit culture. He was on the outs. He was outside of culture. He was outside of society. He was on the fringe, one who was rejected as he sits in that dust in poverty. He was a poor man. He was a beggar who was on the outside. As if that was not traumatic enough for this man that we see to be on the outside of society, to be outside of relationships, to be on the outside emotionally. We saw, we see these disciples being not at all kind to him. And they ask Jesus this question in front of them. They say, who sinned? His parents or him that he's born blind? This assumes the perspective of the religion of the day. That because he was blind, he is now rejected from religion as well. He has seen someone who is just a sinner and is now on the outside of the temple as well. In every single way, he is a man who is rejected. He is rejected from society. He is rejected emotionally. And now he's rejected from God as well. He is just a sinner. Who is it? Who sinned in his life? We just assume he is full of sin because he's blind. And that's this man. That's who we see as a man on the outside. But luckily, that is not the end of the story because we have Jesus. Jesus answers in a revolutionary way. And he says, neither him nor his parents have sinned. In fact, you are asking the wrong questions. It is not who has sinned in his life, but what does God want to do in his life? This is revolutionary because it's punching into, it's speaking into this belief that these people are on the outside of everything. And Jesus is saying he is not on the outside. In fact, God cares about him. God cares about who he is. And Jesus knows because as we remember, he is God in flesh. And we see the things that God cares about. And Jesus, in an act, again, that is revolutionary, he steps down from heaven and becomes flesh. But then he steps down and is now face to face with this blind man who has been rejected. This God who was there in Genesis, who took dust and created mankind, now spits into dust and makes mud. And he puts it on his eyes. And he says, go wash. See, Jesus touches him. Jesus is present with him. The invisible man Jesus sees. And he's present. And he says, go wash. Now this blind man has not seen Jesus because he departs. Have you never seen Jesus? And he goes and he washes and he sees. He has a miracle performed. The thing that was the stigma that put him on the outs is now removed and he can physically see. A man born into darkness can now see light. And it's because of Jesus who declares, I am the light of the world. Who puts out there that there is darkness coming, but I am your guide in this place. I am the light of this world. You think, what does this mean for us today? Well, I think it means two things. Well, it means a lot of things, but two main things I want to focus on. The first is this, is that God cares about those on the outside. If you are here today, and you feel on the outside, you don't feel good enough to be with God. You feel that you have to pretend to be 
somebody of some worth, but maybe you're upside down in your, in your mortgage. Maybe you're struggling with your job. Maybe you're worried about your kids. Maybe you feel that you're on the outside and you can't perform good enough. I want to say welcome to Holy Trinity Claygate. You're at home here because you are just who God cares about. Maybe you have a disability or a mental illness. Welcome to HTC. You are just who we want to have here. This is what church is for. We know that God cares about those on the outside, and we want to be a church that cares for those on the outside as well. The second thing it means is this, is that we've got life to the full coming up. And I want us to pray that our church is full of people that are on the outside, full of people that are hurting and are in need. That's what this is all about. We may not know who they are or exactly what their needs are, but that this church will be full of people that actually really need a miracle, that they really need the light of Jesus in their life. Wouldn't that be amazing if we as a church could turn the people around us and see their lives be miraculously changed because of Jesus in their life? So this first miracle is God in flesh caring for the outsider. And that's the first piece we want to talk about today. But now there's a second piece, because we know that this miracle just doesn't end here in verses 1 to 12. We have verses, this large chunk of Scripture, verses 13 to 35. And have your Bibles open. Look at this with me. There's a whole chunk of Scripture here now where there is ramifications for this miracle. It is not just stopped here. It has its effects. So naturally, a man is seen who is every day blind, and now he sees. What? The people around see this miracle and they begin to have a conversation about this. What is happening? Who? What has happened that this man has seen now? So they, they all talk and they say, let's bring this man before the Pharisees. Let's just see what the Pharisees say about this. Now this is a man who's been a beggar his whole life, invisible. Now he finds himself standing before the powerhouse, the power structure of the time, being asked questions, interrogated, and all he did was get healed. And they say to him, so tell, me, tell us the story. What happened with you? He just says, um, Jesus made mud, put it on my eyes, and I can see. Pretty simple. What do you think? And they're like, hmm, I don't know. We need more information. We're going to do some research. So they go, do you have parents? Yes. Okay, let's go get the parents. So now the parents come in, and they're a bit scared because they know this is the power structure of the time. And they say, what do you think? This is your son, isn't he? What do you say? And they are like, well... We know he was blind and we know he can see, but other than that, we're not really wanting to talk about that. We don't really know. His own parents can't really get his back as he's standing there. And so they ask one more time, they ask this man who's, who's healed, they say, what do you say? And he says, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. Why are you asking all these questions? Do you want to be a follower as well? Do you want to follow this man? And they, the Pharisees, rage. How dare you? You man steeped in your sin, get out of here. And he is rejected again. The moment that he can see, the first thing that happens is he gets rejected by these powerful people. My question is, is why did they reject him? Why didn't they see what happened? These are religious leaders. These are people that studied the Old Testament. These are people that looked into and considered what God would be doing. How come they didn't see it? It only seems obvious that they would have been like... We know this. This is like Moses. This is God. But instead, they don't see it at all. In fact, it enrages them and angers them. 
I think there's two things that we can see. The first is that they get hung up on the fact that he healed on a Sabbath. It's because over the years they had minimized God to just a set of rules. He was no longer the God that could free people of Israel. He was a God that just set out some rules. They had minimized him, put him in a box, and they said, this is our God box. This is what God does. We know God because he does these little things. This is how he functions. This is how he works. And we're really comfortable with this. And our whole job is to make sure that this God box is maintained. And then when God actually comes and does things outside of their box, they are thrown into chaos. That can't be God. He doesn't follow our rules. And the second thing is this, is they're just prideful. Is when he says, would you want to follow him? They say, how dare you think that we, the religious leaders, could follow somebody? You follow us. We are the people who do the God stuff. How dare you? Get out. They have minimized God to a set of rules, and they are full of pride. This is the Pharisees. When light of God comes into their lives, the best they can do is turn away. And they have to reject the light of Jesus. But then we have the blind man. Part two of the blind man. Jesus hears that he's been rejected. And I love this, that Jesus goes out to find him. And he finds him. And you have to remember, this is the first time the blind man has physically seen the one who just healed him. And he says, Jesus says to him, do you want to follow the Son of Man? And the blind man said, who is this? Who is he? He goes, it is me. And his answer is worship. You see, this blind man had seen, literally seen with his eyes for the first time that day. And that stigma of rejection was lifted, society. He can now live a different way. But remember, he was also rejected by the church. He was rejected by the religious leaders of that time as a sinner. And Jesus says, you're no longer a sinner. He's healed both physically and spiritually. And his response to this healing is worship. And what the scripture is saying, Jesus basically says it. He says, here's what my light does. It reveals hearts. It says that those who are on the outside are actually on the inside. And those who think they're on the inside are actually on the outside. And this is what the light of, world of me does, the light of the world, is it reveals where men's hearts are. And we see this blind man, this nobody, is now a follower. He has identity. He is a Christian. He is a follower of Christ. Wonderful. Now, as I've thought about this, and I thought, how can we apply this? How can we see this for ourselves today? I have to ask myself a very serious question. I work for the church. Am I the Pharisee? I actually work for the church. I work for the structure of the church. Am I a Pharisee? See, when we read this story, and you heard this story, if you were to put yourself in there, you would assume that you're the blind man, the one who sees rightly. But are none of us who come to church all the time Pharisees? Is this something just for that time, but not for this time? Have none of us put God in a box? Have none of us been prideful that we know how God works? Would all of us, for sure, if God walked into this room, recognize him? Would we? How can we assess where our hearts are? How can we actually know where we are with God? Do we just assume we would know? Well, to illustrate this point, and to get it across, I want to tell you a quick story. I want to tell you a story about my life. 
And the reason I want to do this is not to show you how great I am, but to actually show you how just someone who stands up here has same struggles as everyone else. But I also want to show you how God works in my life. So when my wife and I were newly married, we did the thing that everyone does. We just got really excited about being married. We ate out a lot. We had fun. We were just on our own. We were excited. We were both older when we got married in our late 20s. And it was just good to be married. And we kind of got caught up in wondering about what our future would look like and our jobs and kind of what life would be like. And over a period of the first year of marriage, we both kind of came to a feeling that we didn't want to go to church quite as much as we used to. Maybe we didn't pray as much and worship was a bit cold. We began to just kind of wonder, is church, is this the right church we're going to? What's happening here? And through a series of events, we actually realized and assessed our hearts and thought, actually, it's not the church. It's the fact that our hearts are a bit cold. We've not actually given our time to God. We've given our time in lots of different places. And there's a bit of darkness in our heart where there used to be light. And a series of things began to happen. And the first thing that happened when, the, when we recognized that and saw that we weren't where we wanted to be, the first thing we did, and I want you to, to really write this down and think about it, the first thing we did was we owned it. We said, God, we're sorry. We repented. God, forgive us for not being the Christians that we're supposed to be. Will you please forgive us? And that repentance put us back in God's path. It actually put us right where we needed to be. And I decided repentance is the beginning point, but maybe I should do things just a bit differently. I've not actually read my Bible for a long time. So I decided I'm just going to try and read through the New Testament straight. I'm just going to go for it and see how long it takes me. And so every morning I woke up just a little bit early and I just started reading my Bible. And I found that that was like light into my heart. I began to see again. And out of that Bible and out of repentance came the language of prayer again that had been so missed. And I began to talk with God and communicate with God. And I began to listen again. And I found that over time as I began to repent and read the Bible and pray, I wanted to have key people next to me that actually were also really going for it with God. And I sought out those people in community. And we kind of went on a journey together. See, all these things we did, repentance, Bible, prayer, community, they were all ways that I could make sure I wasn't a Pharisee and I could put myself in front of God, in the way of God. But here's the key. Those are just things I could do. But the real life came from Jesus. It came from the Holy Spirit. As I just put myself in His presence, He started to show me my heart. He started to reveal how to really live again. He started to be the one that spoke and unlocked the things of my heart and turned me right side up again. And it wasn't the things that I did. They just put me in the right place. But it was God at work in my life. And I saw that Jesus, just like in this story, began to shine light into my heart. And I made that transition from one who was going down that route of a Pharisee back to someone that wanted to be in his light, worshiping. Here's the challenge. You come to church week in, week out, but how do you assess your heart? This is not meant to make you feel guilty, but it's meant to ask the important question of faith. Where am I today? It's okay to recognize I might actually be a bit of a Pharisee. 
Or it's okay to say, actually, maybe I'm over here and I don't feel worthy. I need Jesus to show me that I am not on the outside. Maybe you're in a whole complicated world of religion. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is the light of the world for your life. You are not rejected. You are not on the outside. Life in God is available for you. Real life. Life that is transformative. Life that changes you. Who wants to go on the journey and the adventure with God? Who wants to do that? You have an opportunity because we get to worship. And I say, let it go a little bit. Step into worship. Be honest with God about where your heart is and just see where he takes you.